Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Consumer Review Report. I'm Diane Rebecca here on WMCK.FM Internet Radio. All right, here we are, another week, and yes, it is a Labor Day weekend, which means, to me, at least, it's not the official end of summer, but for me, it's the end of summer. So, that's kind of sad. But, uh, well, we just have something to look forward to. I guess Christmas will be around the corner. (laughs) I know they got Halloween stuff already out there in the stores, so... It's always something to look forward to, I guess, but it's always sad to see summer go for another season. All right, so if you have any ideas on any products or services you would like to hear on the show, you can email me at consumerreviewreport at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook at Consumer Review Report and on Twitter at CRR in McKeesport. Also, if you have uh, anything, any product or service to complain about or a product or service that absolutely wowed you, you can email me at consumerreviewreport at gmail.com. I'm also at Facebook at Consumer Review Report and on Twitter at CRR in McKeesport. All right, so this week's show, I thought we'd have a little bit of fun because it is Labor Day weekend, and uh, we don't want to do anything too heavy on this holiday weekend. So, on this week's show, I'll be giving you excerpts from Consumer Report Magazine's Ask the Experts section. That's always fun. It's always uh, a hodgepodge of different topics that you might be interested in. Um, The Consumer Report Magazine comes out monthly, And in all issues, they have an Ask the Experts section that covers a wide variety of topics that people write and ask for solutions or information on this problem and that problem. So what made me think of doing this was someone some time ago had asked me, what insurance should you put a claim against, home or auto, if squirrels eat the wiring in your car? Well, I remember reading in one of these Ask the Experts sections how to prevent that from happening, but not what to do after it happens. So that would be a typical question that you might find in one of these Ask the Experts uh, sections. So again, I thought it would be fun this holiday weekend to see what Consumer Report magazine says about such topics and others after the recall portion of the show, which is coming up right now. Now, there was a big recall this week. Um, It was, actually, I saw it in the morning on KDK News. CPSC issues recall for glass cooktops that may turn themselves on. Wow, that's something. I mean, sometimes you say, well, did I forget to turn on? Off the stovetop? Am I going crazy? Nope. Apparently, these are turning themselves on. So, if you thought you accidentally left the stovetop on, and I am reading from an article from ABC Seven, not sure where they where that's based out at, but this is ABC Channel Seven, wherever they might be. I'm not sure. 
Um, but if you thought you accidentally left the stovetop on, it may not have been your fault. A new recall says certain glass top stovetops can turn on by themselves. The U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission issued a recall for some Whirlpool, KitchenAid, and Gen Air brand stovetops. Whirlpool Corporation has received 133 reports of incidents involving the cooktop surface elements turning on by themselves, the CPSC reports. This resulted in 14 reports of heat damage to nearby items and four reports of items catching on fire. Two minor burn injuries have been reported. Now, these glass stovetops have touch controls and were made between December 2016 and July of this year. The commission says the recalled appliances are fire hazards. There are about 26,000 of these stovetops uh, sold in the U.S. All right. So I have a couple of video clips that will explain more about this problem. This one is glass stovetop recall by WETM 18 News. This was posted two days ago. So let's take a listen. Uh, let's see, that's a uh, glass stovetop, right? And tens of thousands of stovetops have been recalled for the freakiest reasons. They actually turn themselves on. Over 26,000 glass cooktops sold under Whirlpool, KitchenAid, and Gen Air brands are recalled by Whirlpool. The cooktops pose a burn and fire hazard, but the recall notice doesn't explain how the cooktops turn themselves on. The glass cooktops were manufactured from December 2016 through July 2019 and sold at Lowe's, Home Depot, Best Buy, and other stores from March 2017 through August 2019. Now, Whirlpool says it's received 133 different reports of cooktops turning on by themselves, resulting in 14 reports of fire or heat damage and two minor burns. Now, people who do have these cooktops in their homes are urged to contact Whirlpool to arrange for the installation and replacement of the cooktop free of charge. And they're also being told to turn the cooktop off at the circuit breaker. Okay, and so here is another video clip. Um, this is from CBS New York and it's entitled Whirlpool Cooktops Recalled and this was also posted two days ago so let's take a listen. A consumer alert concerning something you might have in your kitchen, Whirlpool is recalling three glass cooktop models over possible burn and fire hazards. The models include Whirlpool, Whirlpool KitchenAid, and Gen Air glass cooktops with touch controls. The cooktop surface elements can turn on by themselves. About 26,000 of these cooktops have been sold in the U.S. For more information, go to cbsnewyork.com. Okay, so I hope that gives you enough information if you have one of these products. Um, also, this is also listed on the www.recallsgov website. So if you have one of these, you can go there and click on the link and it'll tell you, you know, the specifics of the product uh, and also what to do, which uh, websites to visit, 
You know, um, the link is Whirlpool recalls glass cooktops with touch controls due to burn and fire hazards. The recalled cooktop surface elements can turn on by themselves, posing burn and fire hazards, which was posted August 28, 2019 on the www.recalls.gov website. So, all right, so let's go ahead and get to the other recalls of the week. Let's uh, kick off the music here. All right, we're going to start with consumer products first, as we always do week after week. BRP recalls snowmobiles due to fire hazard. The vehicle can have a fuel leak at the fuel injector, posing a fire hazard. Happy Plugs recalls wireless headphones due to burn hazards. The micro USB charging cable packaged with Happy Plugs wireless headphones can cause the headphones to overheat, posing a burn hazard to consumers. Uh, At Home recalls shag rugs due to violation of federal flammability standard. It's a fire hazard. The recalled large shag rugs failed to meet the federal flammability standard for carpet and rugs, posing a fire hazard. The small shag rugs failed to meet federal labeling requirements. Small rugs are not required to meet the federal flammability standard. However, they are required to be permanently labeled with the following statement. Flammable uh, fails U.S. Department of Commerce standard FF2-70. Should not be used near sources of ignition. So I think I have a couple of these shag rugs. I'm going to have to check that out to see if, uh, if ours is one of those. So we'll do that after the show. Contigo recalls 5.7 million kids water bottles due to choking hazard. The water bottle's clear silicone spout can detach, posing a choking hazard to children. Kirkland's recalls chest of drawers due to tip over and entrapment hazards. The recalled chests are unstable if they are not anchored to the wall, posing serious tip over and entrapment hazards that can result in death or injuries to children. The dressers do not comply with the performance requirements of the U.S. Voluntary Industry Standard. And we did talk about that on the show prior to that, about chests of drawers being tipped over and what can be done about that. And if you have any concerns that you have any of these products, uh, you can go to www.recalls.gov, click on the link, and it will tell you specifics about the product and what to do if you have the product. All right, moving on to Yamaha recalls golf cars, personal transportation and specialty vehicles due to fire hazard. The module that regulates power to the vehicle's USB ports can overheat and melt, posing a fire hazard. Uh, Decathlon USA recalls carabiners due to risk of serious injury or death. Incorrect assembly can cause the carabiner to unlock while in use posing a risk of serious injury or death to the user. Sandoz recalls Losartan potassium and uh, prescription drug bottles 
due to failure to meet child resistant closure requirements. So the low sertan potassium in uh, those prescription drug bottles uh, fail to meet child resistant closure requirements. Uh, they're not child resistant as required by the Poison Prevention Packaging Act, posing a poisoning risk if swallowed by children. Pearhead recalls Ubi connecting bath toys due to choking hazard. And I think it's Ubi, it's U-B-B-I. The recalled toys can break and create a sharp point, posing laceration and choking hazards to young children. So Pearhead recalls Ubi, U-B-B-I, connecting bath toys due to choking hazards. Rite Aid recalls folding patio chairs due to fall hazard. The chair frame can bend, causing the user to fall, posing a risk of injury. RH recalls children's chairs and stools due to violation of federal lead paint ban. People are still using lead paint? I can't believe that. Paint on the chairs and stools contain levels of lead that exceed the federal lead paint ban. Lead is toxic if ingested by young children and can cause adverse health effects. RH recalls Turkish robes due to violation of federal flammability standard. The Turkish robes failed to meet the flammability standards for clothing textiles, posing a risk of burn injuries to consumers. And the last one on the consu consumer products list. Wow, this was a long list this week. Great call. Recalls Lively Mobile Plus Emergency Alert Device due to risk of call button failing in an emergency. The call button can fail when pushed by the consumer in an emergency. That's Great Call. Recalls Lively Mobile Plus Emergency Alert Devices. All right. So moving on to the FDA recalls and safety alerts. There's only five of those, I guess. So here we go. Nature's One Voluntary Issues Allergy Alert for Undeclared Milk Allergen. Now, the FDA uh, recalls cover foods, medicine, and cosmetics. So Nature's One um, is recalling Smart soy vanilla beverage mix because milk is not listed under the contains label statement. Each lot is tested for milk allergen by independent third-party laboratories before release for sale. So Nature's One is recalling the Smart soy vanilla beverage mix. Brutus and Barnaby LLC recalls all size bags of Pig Ears Natural Treats for Dogs. Now, we've heard this on a couple weeks prior to this. So, these pig ears are... I never even heard of the pig ear treats for dogs. But, yes, they have been recalling those. Different companies have been recalling those for a couple weeks now because of a possible salmonella health risk. So, it has the potential to be contaminated with salmonella. Uh, salmonella can affect animals eating the product and there is risk to humans from handling contaminated pet products. So be aware of those pig ear treats. Uh, Maximo LLC recalls Belki Yemeni Spice because of possible health risk. And it has the potential to be contaminated with lead. Wow, that's surprising. So that's... Uh, 
Balki Yemeni Spice from Magzimo. It's being recalled because it has the potential to be contaminated with lead. Mountain Males Essential Goods LLC recalls the Milk Ladies Herbal Tea Blend, Peaceful Baby Herbal Tea Bend, uh, Blend, and Digest Teas Herbal Tea Blend because of possible health risk. So three types of teas under Mountain Males Essential Goods. So that's the Milk Ladies Herbal Tea, the Peaceful Baby Herbal Tea, and the Digest Teas Herbal Tea Blends because of possible health risk. And they have the potential to be contaminated with Salmonella and that could be not good if you drink these teas. All right, uh, let's see. Highland Dairy announces voluntary recall of Highland Dairy half gallon and pint lemonades. Uh, so the Highland Dairy is announcing a voluntary recall of one half gallon of 64 ounce and pint 12 ounce lemonade that is produced at the Oklahoma facility. Over concerns, the products may contain milk that could affect those individuals that have sensitivity to dairy milk allergens. All right, so that's it for the FDA recall and safety alerts. Let's move on to the FSIS, which stands for Food Safety Inspection Service. There's only two here. So there's Bakavor Foods USA recalls ready-to-eat chicken salad products due to misbranding and undeclared allergens. This is a San Antonio, Texas establishment, and it's recalling approximately 1,913 pounds of ready-to-eat chicken salad products due to misbranding and undeclared allergens. And, oh, I'm sorry, there's three actually under here. So, uh, let's get to the second one. Heatherfield Foods, Inc. recalls pork sausage products due to misbranding. Uh, they are recalling approximately 4,380 pounds of pork sausage products due to misbranding. And the last one, American Beef Packers Inc. recalls raw beef products deemed unfit for human consumption. Alright, so American Beef Packers uh, is recalling approximately 24,428 pounds of raw beef products that are deemed unfit for human consumption, but they don't say why. And I'm sure if I clicked on the link, uh, it probably would let me know maybe why that is. All right, so that ends our recall portion of the show. So now we can get to our Ask the Experts section. And again, this is uh, from the Consumer Report magazine. It comes out monthly, and in all issues, they have an Ask the Experts section that covers a wide variety of topics that people write and ask for solutions or information on, like, this problem or that problem. Uh, so it's, very, it's a hodgepodge of questions. So we're going to start with October 2019 issue and uh, work our way back, or at least we're going to attempt this. <laughs> so... Here's the October 2019 issue of Consumer Report Magazine. Ask our experts. The first question is, how critical is it that I rotate my tires regularly? Now, I'm sure people 
know this, you know, especially the guys probably know why, you know, most of them, but some people don't. Like, I don't, I don't really know. Like, I don't even know how often I rotate my tires. I don't know if they do that and inspection or I have to ask for it, you know, so I'm not really a car person. So this would probably be a question that I would ask. So this common maintenance task, which should typically be done every 5,000 to 8,000 miles, isn't one you should ignore. It may seem minor, but remember, tires are the only thing that comes between your two-ton vehicle and the road. Well-maintained tires will help you travel safely for ten, tens of thousands of miles. Without rotation, tires may not wear evenly. Front tires play a larger role in braking, and on front-wheel drive vehicles, they must claw for traction, which means they wear out more quickly. Plus, minute variations in suspension and alignment can introduce uneven wear patterns. All of this can impact your car's ride and noise level as well as the tire's longevity. Spreading wear around all four tires ensures even tread depth and grip, says a certified mechanic and tire technician for CR. A visit to the mechanic is also an opportunity for a pro to inspect your tires for damage and proper inflation. Your owner's manual will have guidance on the rotation pattern. Some are front to rear, others side to side, and frequency. Tire rotation can cost up to $60, but shop around. Some retailers may provide the service free of charge. All right, so that answers that question. Let's go on to this other question having to do with health insurance. My health insurance... deductible and premiums keep going up what can I do to save on costs so here's the answer as health care costs rise Americans are bearing more of the burden of paying for it the average deductible what you pay for insurance kicks in for a single person with work-based insurance is up 39% from five years ago to 1,573 in 2018, while annual premiums jumped 21% to an average of $5,547 for family coverage. People who buy their own plans through the Federal Affordable Care Act exchanges also are paying a lot more for health insurance. The benchmark plan for those who don't get subsidies uh, To lower premiums costs an average of $477 per month in 2019, up 33% from 2017. More of the same is expected for 2020. Uh, So you're right to be cost conscious when choosing a plan this fall, says the senior money editor at CR. Start with a careful comparison of plans. What plans cover and cost changes probably more than you'd expect. So don't assume last year's election will still be the best fit. It could be a lot costlier this time around. Another great way to keep costs in check is to fund a flexible spending account or health savings account. 
Those tax-free dollars you put away will make what you spend on care go that much further. And don't forget to use the wide range of free preventative medical services available on most plans. Taking care of yourself now could prevent the need for more expensive care later. All right, so that's not an optimistic look on health insurance and deductibles and the premiums, unfortunately. All right, so on to the next question. How can I keep my black clothing from fading? Wearing black never goes out of style, except if your clothes are faded and covered in fuzzies or detergent streaks. The more you wash black clothing, the more dye washes away, especially with black denim. Before you toss your black garment in the washer, turn it inside out to shield it from the agitation or tumbling of your machine, which breaks down the fibers in fabrics and causes them to appear faded. Some detergents won't dissolve well in very cold water, which can cause streaks. Use cool or warm water, generally above 60 degrees Fahrenheit, to help detergents dissolve and keep the fibers from losing their color. Too much detergent can also cause streaks, so be sure to measure out the recommended amount. And don't use detergents with bleach or bleach alternatives, which can discolor black dye. Last, set dark loads to the light soil setting. It's gentler and on the shortest cycle possible. Less time in the wash means less fading. How you dry your dark matters too. <clears throat> Tumbling in the dryer roughs up the surface of the fibers, creating a halo of fuzz that catches light and makes black clothes appear faded. Instead, keep the garments turned inside out and hang them to dry indoors, avoiding uh, avoid drying outdoors where the sun can fade them. So there you go, some tips on how to keep black clothing faded. <clears throat> okay, so that was the October 2019 issue, Ask the Experts. Um, I don't really have anything to say about any of those. Those questions aren't really uh, anything that I'm concerned about. So let's move on to the September 1st, 2019 issue of the Consumer Report magazine. I know it's kind of strange because they're like a month ahead. So we just read October's and we haven't even hit October yet. So I don't understand why they do that. But so here we are, September 2019 issue of Consumer Report. Here's the first question of that issue. I often see foods labeled no artificial sweeteners, even though stevia is in the ingredient list. What gives? Stevia is hundreds of times sweeter than sugar and has no calories. It comes from a plant, so some consider it a natural rather than an artificial sweetener. Aspartame and sacralose, by contrast, are wholly cooked up in a lab. However, to make stevia, its sweet-tasting compounds called, and it's a long name, I'm sure you could find it on the box if you have stevia, I'm not going to try to say it, uh, are extracted from the plant, leaves, and purified. The Food and Drug Administration doesn't allow the leaves themselves to be used in food. This can be done with water or alcohol, but sometimes the extracts are modified with enzymes. In addition, the glycosides, that was part of the name, 
can also be made using yeast that has been genetically engineered. Not only does the Food and Drug Administration not regulate the term no artificial sweeteners, but the term natural also lacks any regulatory definition. So manufacturers can use the claim as they wish, says the Senior Policy Analyst for Food and Nutrition at Consumer Report. The starting material for stevia extracts may be natural, but these ingredients are highly processed and also know that evidence that stevia aids in weight loss or lowering blood sugars is very limited. So I know my husband likes to use that in the coffee and we also did a uh, show on sugar alcohols. And so I don't know when they say this can be, when they say that the stevial glycosides <laughs> that was the name I was trying to avoid to say, are extracted from the plant and leaves and purified with water or alcohol. I'm wondering if when they say sugar alcohols, is that what they mean? I don't know. But, uh, all right. So I would think it would be natural, though, because it makes sense that if it comes from the plant, um, then it would be natural where the others were cooked up in a lab and that would be artificial. But at the same time, is the process on how they extract it, you know, uh, I don't know. It comes from a plant though, so I would say it was natural. All right, so here's the next question in the September issue of Consumer Report Magazine. I opened a, 500, a 529 college account for my son. What do I need to know before withdrawing from it? All right, so it says contributing money to a 529 account is the best way to save for college uh, because of the tax benefits you get. But withdrawing the money isn't so straightforward, says a senior money editor at CR. If you're not careful and spend the funds on the wrong type of education expenses, you could get hit with a 10% penalty and owe taxes on gains in the account. Though you can use 529 money for a wide range of college costs, including tuition, fees, books, and computers, there are some education-related expenses that don't qualify. Health insurance offered by the school, for example, is not covered, so check with your plan administrator before you start withdrawing. Also, know that you must spend the money on expenses incurred in the same calendar year, not academic year, but you may not want to spend the money all at once. If you think you'll need to take federal loans later, spread out 529 withdrawals. The amount of federal loans you can take out is capped each year. So if you need to borrow more than those limits, you may have to turn to less consumer-friendly private loans to cover the gap. All right. I didn't even know there was such a thing as a 529 college account. Um, I guess you can open one up for your kid. And this, this is uh, something that could help pay for that. All right. Uh, next question, uh, I've heard conflicting advice about preserving laptop battery life. What should I actually be doing? There is indeed a lot of misinformation floating around about how to keep your laptop battery working longer. 
That's because battery technology has improved rapidly and a lot of old advice stays in circulation even though it doesn't apply anymore to newer technology. And this is the head of electronics testing at CR saying this. Gone are the days when it was important to let batteries drain completely then charge them all the way back up to 100%. That's now unnecessary with newer lithium-ion batteries, which power practically every laptop and smartphone. For long-term battery health today, the best tactic is to avoid charging it all the way to 100% or letting it run down to zero. Wow, really? <laughs> That's a surprise. You can't charge it all the way to 100 Hmm. All right, so this was said by someone who oversees CR's computer testing. Ideally, you want to keep your battery charged between 20 and 80%. Turning off your laptop every day isn't necessary either. It's fine to leave your computer in standby mode for a few days at a time. However, to keep it running smoothly, a full reboot every few days is still a good idea in order to receive updates and clear your RAM. Hmm, 20 to 80 percent. So they don't they don't suggest that you keep uh, charging it up to 100. See, I leave all my stuff plugged in all the time. So uh, until I'm ready to go with go somewhere with it, like my cell phone, I come home, I plug it in. It's usually 100 percent. When I next morning, I want to go to work, I take my cell phone. So I did not know it was best. I mean, what's the point then if you don't want to charge it all the way up to 100%? You want to keep it between 20 and 80%. Hmm. That's just odd. <laughs> okay, so that was September issue of Consumer Report Magazine, Ask Our Experts. All right, so let's go ahead and go to August issue. All right, ask our experts from the August issue of Consumer Report Magazine. Here's the first question. My husband's snoring keeps me up at night. Would a change in his pillow help him? And here's the answer. About 37 million Americans snore on a regular basis, according to the National Sleep Foundation. Both men and women snore, but men, particularly those who are overweight, are the most prone to do so. All right. So, snoring is caused by a person's airway narrowing or being partly blocked during sleep, often because of floppy tissue in the back of the throat due to excess weight, nasal congestion, or enlarged tonsils. Wedge-shaped pillows that elevate the head and shoulders during sleep may help ease snoring, uh, says an assistant professor of neurology at the Emory University School of Medicine in Atlanta. The incline keeps the tongue from blocking the back of the throat. If your husband's snoring tends to be triggered by lying on his back, you can also try placing a body or bolster pillow against his back. This will help to keep him on his side. And he can consider an anti-snore pillow with a depression in the center designed to keep a sleeper on his side. Hmm, I didn't even know 
there was such a thing. I mean, I guess, yeah, most of the snoring probably does come with people on their back. So to try to get them to sleep on their sides all the time, that's a, that's a good idea, I guess. So again, uh, you can all, you can try placing a body or a bolster pillow against his back. Or you can, there's a pillow, an anti-snore pillow with a depression in the center designed to keep a sleeper on his side. But if you notice noisy stops and starts in breathing during sleep or if he snores even while on his side, be aware that uh, obstructive sleep apnea could be the problem. According to the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, OSA is linked to a higher risk of cardiovascular disease, stroke, and cardiac arrhythmia, and systematic hypertension. So, oh, I'm sorry, systemic hypertension. So, see a doctor if you think this may apply to you or your partner. All right. So, I did not know they had anti-snore pillows. Might want to check into that. Not for me, but maybe for my husband. <laughs> so, although, you know, I'm I'm not. Sh- I don't know. I think he mostly snores when he's on his back. So, but see, I'm not like awake watching him, so I'm not sure. All right. So here's another question: Do I need a measles booster? This year, the U.S. has seen the worst outbreak of measles since the disease was eliminated in 2000. So it's important to assess whether you need a booster, says an infectious disease specialist at Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Tennessee. Anyone born before 1957 is considered to be protected against measles, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Because they were probably exposed to the virus as a child. But people born in 1957 or later who received the measles vaccine before 1989 may be more vulnerable. They were given a single shot, which is only 93% effective. And a two-shot series, which is 97% effective, was started in 1989 and continues today. To complicate matters further, between 1963 and 1967, a particularly ineffective version of the measles vaccine was used. So the CDC recommends that anyone vaccinated during those years, between 1963 and 1967, get at least one dose of the current MMR vaccine. Not sure of your vaccination status? Your doctor or a walk-in clinic can give you a test called a titer, T-I-T-E-R, a teeter, to check your immunity level, regardless of what shot you may have had. But, uh, but ask your insurer whether it covers these kinds of tests before you go. The price varies. CVS Minute Clinics, for example, charge up to $129 for immunity testing. It's fine to get a new MMR vaccine regardless. When in doubt, immunize. All right, but that's back when they were having that measles outbreak. And I haven't really heard anything else on that. I'm not even sure. I'm, I guess by now they've contained it or we probably hear a little bit more about anything like that. I would guess anyways, right? 
All right, so I'm going to just take a drink of water here. All right. Let's move on to the next question. I hand wax my car every summer. What can I do to make the wax coat last? All right. So here's what CR responded to. Most waxes we've tested lasted only a few months when exposed to normal weather. Uh, says uh, a car wax tester for CR. Uh, they even have one of those, I guess, huh? <laughs> All right. So it's Dave Treza who has tested car waxes for CR. He says... Uh, they only last a few months, even when exposed, only when exposed to normal weather, let alone bad weather, right? So even the very best waxes we tested last just six months. So you'll want to hand wax your car a few times a year with the change of every season. For best results, we advise first hand washing your car, then applying a coat of wax to the dried, cool surface. Don't work in direct sunlight because heat can make the wax spread unevenly and clump. If you go to the drive-thru car wash, opt for a brushless one because brushes in an automatic wash can strip off some of your wax job. Spray-on wax treatments at a car wash are mostly cosmetic, giving your car a nice but temporary, sh temporary sheen. Uh, it won't be as protective as hand waxing. So I never knew about waxing the car in the sunlight. But I guess one of those, uh, not the automatic car washes, but the ones that you pull in under a roof and manually wash your car, I guess that's why they have those. So that you're not out, if after you wash the car, you need to wax it, you're not out in the sun. But I never knew that. So, so hopefully that'll give you some insight on how often to wax your car and how to do it. All right. So that'll do it for the, I think we were in the August section of Ask Our Experts in the Consumer Report magazine. Let's move on to July. All right, here we go. Okay, so I've talked about this in the past. In fact, I've, I actually use this one in one of my shows, but we can go ahead and revisit that. And this question from the July Consumer Report Magazine Ask Our Experts section is, what's up with this top tier logo I see at gas stations? All right, <clears throat> so the Environmental Protection Agency sets a minimum standard for the amount of detergent additives gas should contain. Top tier gasoline, a voluntary industry designation, has additional additives that many car makers feel today's increasingly sophisticated car engines need in order to combat carbon buildup and deposits on intake valves. These additives help prevent hesitation on acceleration, reduce fuel economy, and more, says CR's chief mechanic. Top tier gas costs about three cents more per gallon than ordinary gasoline, but a AAA study, AAA study, says those extra cents pay off. It keeps intake valves cleaner and increases the performance and longevity of your car's engine. Be mindful not to confuse top tier with octane levels. When a participating retailer sells top tier fuel, 
all of the octane grades from regular to premium gasoline and diesel adhere to the standards. Many companies such as Mobile, BP, and Shell offer top-tier gas, but some such as Wawa, Pilot, and BJ's don't. You can look for the top-tier logo at stations. And, uh, you know, I don't think I've ever noticed one. I don't even know what one looks like. Don't even have a picture here in the section about what it looks like. Um, and I guess it, where would it be? Would it be on their sign? Would it be at the gas pumps? I don't even know. So do we have any around here? I'm not sure. Okay, so that's the question about... What's up with this top tier logo I see at gas stations, which I've never seen, so I don't know. Or I have, but I never noticed it. I'm not sure. All right. So we've done a show on this before uh, in the past. This question is, I've heard that CBD might ease my dog's anxiety during fireworks. Should I give it a try? A growing crop of products infused with CBD a chemical <clears throat> or a compound, I'm sorry, extracted from cannabis plants is being marketed for pets to treat anxiety, arthritis, and seizures. There is limited research on CBD pet products, though. Uh, CBD is generally thought to be safe for pets. Just be sure to watch out for any products that contain grapeseed oil and xylitol. These might appear in human formulations, but can be toxic for dogs and cats. So again, watch out for grapeseed oil and xylitol. <clears throat> so you probably don't want to <clears throat> give your uh, cat or dog like something humans might. Maybe they have ones that are designated for pets, but you don't want to give them any old uh, CBD product in case it has those two ingredients in there. All right, so however, says uh, the DVM, Assistant Professor of Neurology at Colorado State University College of Veterinary Medicine and Biomedical Sciences, she says, I'm not totally convinced of its effectiveness. Anecdotally, another veterinarian, Jeffrey Powers, <coughs> uh, credits CBD with easing his own dog's fireworks-related anxiety. If you live in one of the 47 states that has legalized CBD for human use, there's nothing to stop you from buying these products, including tinctures, capsules, and chew treats for your pets, <clears throat> says uh, the CR investigative journalist. But talk to your vet first, especially if your pet is on other meds, and some drugs may interact with CBD. Your vet may also be able to help you with dosages yeah because how do you know how much to give uh, you know I, I don't even know is there a way that you can overdose on cbd products i have no idea uh, if you do shop for cbd keep in mind that the market is largely unregulated look for products that claim to follow good manufacturing practices or have received the u.s hemp authority designation these labels increase the chances that a product has been made with safe ingredients in a clean environment. Also look at the company's website for a Certificate of Analysis, or COA, which is a testing process that checks for contaminants and, that, and CBD and THC levels. All right, so hopefully that'll 
help you with your CBD shopping because with anything else, uh, people try to get around regulations and sell you something that might not be good for you just to make a box. So you got to always be diligent. All right. So here's the last question in the uh, July, July issue of Consumer Report Magazine. Ask our experts. My blender can't make a smooth smoothie. I always get ice chunks in my drink. So what does CR say? Over the years, our blender testers have become experts at making the perfect virgin pina colada. We make batches in each blender uh, to test, to evaluate how smooth and thick a drink it can produce. Our secret, because few blenders are powerful enough to crush large ice cubes if you simply pile them onto the blades, uh, always pour liquids in first, juice or alcohol, and only then add the ice. So, huh, okay. So they always say if you're trying to crush ice cubes, uh, you should pour some sort of liquid in first. All right, so that was said by somebody who oversees CR's blender testing. There should be enough liquid that the ice floats. Start on a low speed and gradually increase it. If your blender is still struggling, try using crushed ice rather than cubes. The smaller chunks will be easier on the blades. If your refrigerator doesn't turn out crushed ice, wrap cubes in a kitchen towel, then smash them up with a mallet. All right. So there you go. Okay, so let's go ahead and go to the June issue. We got about six and a half minutes left. So let's go ahead and go to the June issue of Consumer Reports Magazine and see what their ask the experts say. All right, here's the first one. I love the idea of an electric car, but are there options outside of a Tesla or the Chevy Bolt? And what is ironic, as I just read in the Wall Street Journal, that Harley-Davidson is coming out with an electric bicycle. <laughs> and somebody made a joke, wow, the extension cord's going to be really long. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> but anyways, an electric bicycle, I mean, don't you use bicycles for exercise? If you have an electric bicycle, you're not going to be exercising too much, are you? <laughs> but... Uh, so let's take a look at what this, I love the, uh, this question. I love the idea of an electric car, but are there options outside of Tesla or the Chevy Bolt? And here's their answer. Tesla might be the brand most associated with electric vehicles and CR recommends the affordable Chevrolet Bolt for its long range, 250 miles and quiet interior. But there are other choices that you may not have heard as much about or even more EVs are on the way, electric vehicles. At the high end, ranging from 44000 to 85000 new models focus on luxury, sporty driving, and quick acceleration. So CR is now testing the new Jaguar I-PACE. And they say go to cr.org slash I-PACE to read about their first drive, and hope to have an Audi e-tron on our track soon. The BMW i3 is updated for 2019, and more upcoming models, including the Porsche Taycan and Mercedes-Benz EQC. 
There are more affordable choices too. Nissan is releasing a longer range version of the Leaf called the Leaf Plus, which Nissan says should be able to get 226 miles on a single charge. And the new Hyundai Kona EV, we're testing, they're testing one now, uh, CR is, uh, Kia Nero EV and Kia Soul EV all promise ranges longer than 230 miles. They're expected to offer versions under 40000 before any incentives. You may also want to consider plug-in hybrids like the Toyota Prius Prime. These can run on battery power for short distances but still have a gas engine for longer trips. They're a good choice if you're anxious about running out of juice in an EV. And that's something that I've always been curious about is, you know, I mean, I don't know if these are cars that you just have on the side just to enjoy or, you know, most of us have cars that we've got to get somewhere in and we don't have three or four cars in the garage. We might have two. And uh, if one of them is an EV and you need to take a long trip, I mean, when you go to the gas station, is there places that you can charge up? I I don't know on our trips I've never really looked for them but are they there is there one that you can go ahead and while you're eating your breakfast or whatever charge up your electric vehicle um so I'm not sure Uh, I'd like to know more information about that like how do people cope with long distance uh when you run out of your 230 miles what do you do I don't know, or you just don't use those type of cars for long distance. So maybe for the people who have two cars, that's your second car. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, you can afford to have a car that you can't go long distance on, I guess. I I don't know. (laughs) So I'm pretty ignorant when it comes to those electric vehicles, I guess. So here's the last one, I guess, of the show. Ask our experts. I'm sick of white clothes that get dingy in the wash. Help. So that's kind of our black clothes uh, questionnaire. Most people know how, or (laughs) most people know to wash their whites separately from colors. But you may be guilty of other laundry sins that are causing your whites to go dull or gray. Overloading your machine, which causes tangling and prevents effective cleaning, is a common one. Add a few items at a time says the engineer who oversees uh, testing of laundry detergents at CR. And this will allow all the items to tumble freely in the water, giving the soil the best potential to disperse, he says. Another common culprit, washing very dirty items with cleaner ones, which can spread the dirt around to all your whites. And resist the urge to economize on the amount of detergent. If you don't use the recommended amount for the size and soil intensity of your load, you won't get the benefit of detergent agents and help keep soil from redepositing on other clothes. Alright, so I think that'll do it for our uh, show for this Labor Day weekend. Hope everybody's enjoying your weekend. So, uh, if you have any ideas on any products or services that you would like to hear on the show, you can email me at consumerreviewreport at gmail.com. I am also on Facebook at Consumer Review Report. 
and on Twitter at CRR in McKeesport. So this is the Consumer Review Report on WMCK.FM Internet Radio. I'm Diane Rebecca wishing everyone a safe and good week.